welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast. And on this Monday, November the 11th, we're going to talk about AEW Full Gear, as well as all of the news which took place in the world of wrestling over the last week. But who could argue that the events from the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore is the biggest news going on in wrestling today? I want to start out with the AEW World Championship match from Full Gear this weekend between Cody and Chris Jericho. Now remember, heading into this match, on Dynamite, Cody said if he doesn't defeat Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship, he will never challenge for that title again. And Cody said, leading up to him making this stipulation, was that he's heard the complaints from people about him receiving an AEW World Championship match while also being management in the company. Now, this is something that the Rhodes family is no stranger to. Dusty Rhodes booked himself in World Championship matches all the time. But Cody said he heard the complaints about someone from management being involved in an AEW World Championship match and then he said, well, if I don't beat Chris Jericho for the title, I'll never challenge for the AEW World Championship ever again. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Chris Jericho defeated Cody at AEW Full Gear, had Cody locked into a lion tamer, and Cody's cornerman on the outside was Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And they made a point of mentioning on commentary during the match that Dustin Rhodes was not available to be Cody's cornerman for the match as a result of the inner circle attacking him on a previous episode of Dynamite. They slammed his arm in a, a car door or limo door or something. And so Dustin was unable to second his brother for this AEW World Championship match. So that came into play. And so as Jericho's got Cody locked in the lion tamer, MJF, and you could hear like a murmur from the crowd before anything happened. And I'm assuming that murmur or rumbling coming from the live crowd in Baltimore, had it was happening because fans noticed that MJF had the towel in his hand. And with Cody all locked up in the lion tamer, didn't look like, like he wasn't going for the ropes. Didn't look like he was trying to get out of it. Looked like he was just trapped in it. And MJF threw in the towel. Chris Jericho wins the match. Referee Aubrey, uh, what's her name? Aubrey something or other. Girl Hebner. She called for the bell and awarded Chris Jericho the match. He successfully retains his title. Then after Chris Jericho's left, and it's Cody and Maxwell Jacob Friedman, and they're in the ring, and boy, MJF just looks beside himself. He's he's sorry and very upset, and, and Cody kind of just 
I mean, Cody's obviously very upset as well, but looks like he's holding it back. And then MJF kicks him low, gives him a low blow, and walks out on Cody. So we've got a lot of unanswered questions about what happened at the end of this match. We'll hopefully get answers to those questions on Dynamite this week. Did MJF decide in that moment that he was going to turn on Cody? Did he know coming into it? Has this been arranged between MJF and Chris Jericho in the inner circle beforehand? Is MJF going to join the inner circle? Chris Jericho was asked about the possibility of MJF joining the inner circle in the post-event media scrum from Baltimore. And I'll just read what it is Jericho said in response to that question. All right, so Jericho said this when he was asked about MJF possibly joining the inner circle. There's always room for more as long as they're as good as all the guys in my inner circle. MJF would be a probable candidate, a possible candidate, whether the events happen tonight or not. We're always looking for good members because, like I said, we're taking control of AEW. Jericho was also asked uh, if he was satisfied with the victory last night, and here's what Jericho had to say. He he said uh, he was going to give up anyway. That's a pretty stupid question. Of course I'm satisfied. I'm still Le Champion. I don't want this to be stuck on the fact that MJF threw a towel in the ring because if you saw what happened, Cody was beat up, bleeding all over the effing place, plus he was so tied up like a pretzel, there was no escape. So throw the towel in, don't throw the towel in, but don't diminish the victory that Chris Jericho had over Cody Rhodes tonight. So now, obviously, for the time being, Cody is moving on to a feud with MJF, and Chris Jericho is, well, he's not actually moving on to new contenders to his title. It was announced that Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, who are undefeated as a team, I believe they've they've wrestled twice, haven't they? Jericho and Guevara? Anyway, they are going to be receiving a tag team title shot on Dynamite this week, and they're going to be taking on the members of SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. But just getting back to Cody, and the stipulation now that Cody will never again challenge for the AEW World Championship. So, all of social media or fans talking on wherever fans talk, everybody seems to be trying to figure out how they're going to get around this stipulation. Basically, everybody who I've talked to about this match, at some point, the conversation has turned to, well, how are they going to get around this stipulation? Oh, I mean, sure, it'll be years from now, whatever. But how are they, like, come on, they're going to get around this stipulation. I don't know that they are. I can say, right now, with all honesty, it's entirely possible that Cody never challenges for the AEW World Championship again. And I think the reason Cody may never challenge for the AEW World Championship again was the reason, or is the reason, that he said it was in his promo last week. He's heard the complaints about someone who works in management getting a World Championship shot. 
and very likely he's thinking that there were some critical of his father doing that, of Dusty Rhodes working as a matchmaker and making matches where he challenges for the, the world championship. I think it's entirely possible, look, Cody wants to remove himself from the AEW World Championship picture, or will do that now, now that this stipulation has happened. I think Cody is going to stick to grudge matches and feuds, like the one coming up with MJF. You have to imagine this feud he's going to do with MJF. I mean, this could be three, six, nine months of storylines. It's... This has been something that has been building since AEW was announced in January. And I think it's going to go for a long, long time. And I think there's other things for Cody to do outside of the AEW World Championship after his feud with MJF is done. I think him and his brother are going to team up and go into the tag team division. I think we'll see the Rhodes brothers in the tag division. But no, I, I don't think AEW is going to work around this stipulation. I think Cody put this stipulation in because he knows he's management in the company. And, I mean, there's concern about management booking themselves in world title shots. And so we've taken Cody out of the singles rankings. And I, or Actually, I know. I, I think we decided not to do that. But, I mean, we'll just have to see where Cody goes from here. But don't expect them to try and work around this stipulation. Cody's not going to come out and say, oh, it was MJF that threw in the towel, not me. So I can challenge for the championship now. In fact, Tony Khan addressed that very possible situation in his post-event media scrum. And he said, no, nothing about MJF throwing in the towel changes the stipulation. Cody can never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. So then you have to start or sort of think, okay, well, who's in the running then to face uh, Chris Jericho for the title next? And I have to think that that's going to one of John Moxley or Kenny Omega. Possibly Pac. I don't think Hangman Page is going to be back in there. I mean, uh, Page is going to be wrestling Pac on Dynamite this week. If he can beat Pac for the second straight match in a row, then maybe Hangman Pac is back in the mix there. Although, you would have to imagine that he would have to face and defeat one of either Moxley or Omega to get the title shot. But next up for, for Le Champion... Uh, nothing to do with the AW World Championships. Him and Sammy Guevara will be going up against the members of SCU. And so SCU successfully defended their titles at AEW Full Gear as well. They were in a triple threat match against the Lucha Bros and Private Party. Now, I liked the sort of the theme to this match is that it was all the medal winners from the tag team title tournament meeting in a triple threat. SCU won the tournament, so they were the gold medal winners. 
Nails won the titles, obviously. Lucha Bros made it to the finals but lost, so they're the silver medal winners. And then there was a bronze medal match on Dynamite leading up to Full Gear that had the two teams which lost in the semifinals, and that was the Dark Order and Private Party, and they faced for the bronze medal. And uh, Private Party won that. So then in this match at Full Gear, you had the triple threat with all the medal winners, and SCU was able to pull out the victory there. Now, a big angle took place after the match was over. The lights go out. No, so the Lucha Bro. Okay, so SEU wins. Lucha Bros are beating up on SEU after the match. The lights go out. And when the lights come back on, there's another Pentagon in the ring. And it's sort of a smaller Pentagon. But they sort of do dueling zero miedo chants and stuff. Or taunts. And... Then the new Pentagon attacks him, and we find out that it was Christopher Daniels underneath a mask. He's got sort of his fallen angel symbol painted uh, over his eye, and he delivered an angel wings onto Pentagon. And we found out more about where SCU and the Lucha Bros are going in the post-event media scrum SCU took part in. And during that, uh, the members of SCU emphasized that they are not using the Freebird rule. For those of you not familiar with the Freebird rule, it was something brought in by the fabulous Freebirds. And the rule states that a three-person unit can defend tag titles uh, with any two of the three members defending the titles. So this has been done, well, actually recently... New Day, uh, New Day have always used the Freebird rule, but Xavier Woods is out of action with an Achilles injury, and he's gone for like nine months to a year. And then on SmackDown on Friday, Kofi Kingston and Big E won the SmackDown tag team titles, and somebody asked Xavier Woods, well, are you guys doing the Freebird rule because Woods is out with injury? And Woods was like, yep, we're doing the Freebird rule. I'm one of the champions. So... New Day are doing the Freebird rule, even though Xavier Woods is going to be gone, probably for the entire title reign. But SCU, they said they're not utilizing the Freebird rule. Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, they earned the titles by winning the tag team title tournament. And actually, Scorpio Sky wasn't even supposed to be one of the two members of SCU entered into that tournament. So before the tournament could get started, SCU did an interview where they said it would be Kazarian and Christopher Daniels representing their team in the tournament. Because you couldn't have a three-person team rotating who wrestles in the single elimination tournament, right? It would be unfair. So you got to pick two of the three, and they'll wrestle each match in the tournament so that, uh, so that three-person teams don't have an advantage over two-person teams. So they do that. Uh, but then the Lucha Bros come out, and Pentagon gives Christopher Daniels a package pile driver on the entrance ramp. And that takes him out. So Scorpio Sky has to take his place in the tournament. They go on to win. Now Christopher Daniels comes back, and he says, No, no, no. Scorpio Sky and Kazarian, they're the tag champs, and I'm going after Pentagon. So Christopher Daniels cut a whole promo there after the event 
saying, I'm not part of the, the tag team champions. I've got my own thing that I'm doing right now. And I'm going after Pentagon because he gave me a package pile driver on the entrance ramp and took me out of action. I was injured. So now I got unfinished business with Pentagon. So we're getting a Christopher Daniels versus Pentagon Jr. feud. And I think that's great because as much as the Lucha Bros are a great tag team, if you split them up, you've got two great singles wrestlers. So so getting Pentagon and, and Phoenix more into the singles division in AEW, I mean, that's that's great. Obviously, you take away one of the top tag teams in the world from their tag division. But then you introduce two of the top wrestlers in the world to their singles division. So um, there's definitely an advantage to to splitting the Lucha Bros up from time to time uh, and then having them go back together from time to time as well. And you saw like Pentagon's a former Impact World Champion, uh, his former Lucha Underground World Champion. Uh, Phoenix is a former Lucha Underground World Champion, former AAA Mega Champion. So both of them have done a lot of cool stuff in singles matches. And Phoenix just dropped the AAA Mega Championship to Kenny Omega. So we could see Kenny Omega in sort of a multi-promotional feud similar to what the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks did where they're wrestling in both AAA and AEW. And that can go on while Christopher Daniels is feuding with Pentagon. So it looks like it looks like the Lucha Bros may be stepping back from being a tag team for just a little bit as they go into a couple of singles programs. Then also, as it concerns the AEW tag team division, Santana and Ortiz beat the Young Bucks in the opener at Full Gear. And this was a clean victory. LAX kind of picked up the advantage as Nick Jackson... Injured his leg during the match. He missed a, a kick on the ring apron and ended up banging his leg on the steel post. That would play into the finish of the match when uh, Nick uh, fell off the uh, top rope. He was doing a springboard uh, top rope move. He fell, and eventually uh, LAX would pick up the win with the street sweeper. So now the Young Bucks, those are... that's. The Young Bucks have fallen sort of out of the title picture now as they were eliminated in the first round of the tag team title tournament and have now dropped this match to Santana and Ortiz as well. So the Young Bucks falling falling further out of the tag team title picture. And of course, we do know what will be the next tag team title match in AEW, and that'll take place on Dynamite as Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara take on. SCU. And then also on Dynamite this week, Hangman Page versus Pac. And those are two announced matches. The one other match that I really want to make sure we spend some time talking about, which took place at Full Gear, was the lights out match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And this was such a death match. We had several items wrapped in barbed wire. We had broken glass. We had Kenny Omega doing things like putting glass in John Moxley's mouth and then giving him a V-trigger knee. We had the, the ring mat 
and the covering taken off, and then we had people delivering moves onto the bare exposed wood, which was something that we saw LAX do in a match for Impact Wrestling recently. So this was a real death match, and they brought out a block of wood with mouse traps, a whole big section of barbed wire. It was, it was everything that you could do in a death match, basically. And there are people that do not like death matches. There are people who really don't like to see this in wrestling. And those people are very, being very vocally negative about this match. However, I would say that there, I mean, it's not like this match was getting booed by the live crowd. They were pretty into it. So who knows what percentage of people are turned off by death matches. It's one of those things where because of the nature of social media and human nature a little bit, we hear people with complaints more than we hear from people who are satisfied. Right? Like, if you're happy with something, you're not really that motivated to go on social media or a message board and talk about how great it was. You're, you're more likely to just kind of, maybe you click like on something. I, I, I don't know. But it, it seems like people are more motivated to complain or voice their disapproval for something than they are to voice their approval for something. So that's why when you go on the internet, it looks like everything is negative. Well, it's because the people who feel positively about something aren't taking part in the conversation online. They've got better things to do. And I think that's what's going on here. Because a lot of people that I've spoken to really enjoyed this match quite a bit. But there's a lot of negative feedback to it online as well. Just saying that it went too far, basically. But that's really something that you can't know unless you're the guys doing it. Right? I mean, there are smoke and mirrors in wrestling. And even when we think the magicians have given away all their secrets, they're holding stuff back. So unless you're Moxley... And unless you're Kenny Omega, you don't know how dangerous that match was. And that's just the truth. You know, like it, it's, um, you know, obviously wrestling isn't as safe as some activities. And sometimes people are going to get hurt. But I don't know if anybody can honestly say that what John Moxley and Kenny Omega did was more dangerous than any match between Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito where they're dropped on their heads a hundred times. I think the there's the only people who can comment on on which is safe and which is more dangerous are the people actually involved in those matches. But Tony Khan did come out and say, look, neither of those guys was seriously hurt. And this is a style of match that John Moxley loves. John Moxley is a deathmatch wrestler. 
He was a deathmatch wrestler in CZW before he ever got to WWE. And then he was just a very controlled and filtered deathmatch wrestler. I wasn't really a deathmatch wrestler in WWE, but you know what I mean. He was portrayed as the lunatic fringe. and He was a very PG version of a deathmatch wrestler. But this was John Moxley without the handcuffs on. And it sounds like a lot of people were complaining that he was too far from Dean Ambrose. But what happened at Full Gear in Baltimore, that was John Moxley being John Moxley. And I thought it was great. But to each their own. And in the spirit of to each their own, there is so much wrestling on TV available to all of us these days that I find it a little pointless to complain about any wrestling. If there's a style of wrestling taking place and you decide, hey, that's not my cup of tea, there are so many other cups of tea to choose from. And I'll give you a, a, a point that I was talking to somebody about. And uh, so some of the people that I grew up watching wrestling with, I'm 39 years old. So, I, you know, we're, we're sort of at the point where we've got a generation ahead of us and we've got a generation below us. There are people that have been watching wrestling longer than us. And there's... Well, I mean, there's more people that have been wrestling, watching wrestling uh, for a lot less time than us. Um, but when you're different generations, like different things about wrestling. And so a good comparison is what Billy Corgan is doing with the NWA and what AEW is doing with Dynamite and their shows. With the NWA, the in-ring wrestling is sort of secondary. It's, they're not going for these big acrobatic displays of athleticism. It's more focused on, here are our wrestlers. Here's why they're angry at each other, or one wants to beat the other, or one's in line for a title shot or whatever. And it's just more focused on the storylines and the characters than it is wrestlers doing 100 super kicks, Canadian destroyers, and all that stuff. And so it's great to have that product out there because if, if you, you feel that modern wrestling is too focused on high spots and big moves and these 450 splashes and all of these moves which don't actually make sense to do if you were in a com in combat with somebody but if you don't like that and that takes you out of the matches you've got the NWA to go to that can be your wrestling so if you don't like death matches or hardcore matches don't watch them there's plenty of other options out there the NWA could be an option for you. Probably not Impact. Impact loves hardcore matches. So they're probably not an option for you. But the NWA is. WWE is. I mean, there's not a lot of hardcore wrestling in WWE. Certainly you would never see something 
like you saw at full gear in WWE. Um, and even when they do do sort of weapons matches in NXT, I mean, it's you're not seeing broken glass like we saw in the Lights Out match. So it's it's more tame. I mean, you're really only going to see that style of wrestling in an independent promotion where deathmatch wrestling is sort of what they're geared towards, like CZW. Or you're going to see it in um, AEW a little bit in their Lights Out matches. Or in Impact. Like, Impact is, does a lot of hardcore wrestling. So if you like hardcore wrestling, you've got options. And if you don't like hardcore wrestling, you've got options. But it's it's weird for me to hear all these people saying, oh, I don't want wrestling to be like this. Well, wrestling's going to be totally different uh, depending on the promotions. So if you don't like something, don't watch it. All right, but that's probably enough AEW for this show. I did want to talk a little bit about NXT. Didn't talk much uh, last week about NXT. We're building up towards war games. Now, it's kind of weird because as we're building up to war games, Raw and SmackDown are also building towards Survivor Series, and NXT is involved in uh, Survivor Series this year as well. So you've got this weird thing where Shayna Baszler is preparing for war games. But then on Raw and SmackDown, she's coming out and attacking Bailey or Becky Lynch, and she's preparing for the champion versus champion versus champion triple threat match at Survivor Series. So it's a big weekend for Shayna Baszler. She's basically double dipping. She's leading a team into war games. And then the next night, she's wrestling against the Raw and SmackDown women's champion. So it's a little like, well, you've got wrestlers in multiple storylines now that so that part's a little bit off but whatever war games is cool and we're getting two war games matches at takeover war games uh this year and we're getting an all-female version of war games and we saw this week Rhea ripley was sort of choosing her team and so she chose bianca belair and candice LeRae. she also said that She kind of had her eyes on Dakota Kai, but wasn't quite sure. And then Dakota Kai had a chance to earn Ripley's confidence, I guess, by wrestling Shayna Baszler. But that doesn't go quite as planned, and Shayna Baszler chokes her out. And then everybody's fighting everybody for a bit, and Mia Yim comes out, and she's beating everybody up, and then later on in the show, Ripley announces, Mia Yim's going to be the fourth member of my team for War Games. Sorry, Dakota Kai, you didn't make the cut. And Dakota Kai, I mean, she was very understanding, it seems, but you got to wonder, I mean, what does this mean for Dakota Kai moving forward? How does this impact her approach to NXT. Does she possibly decide to align with Shayna Baszler and and Baszler's team? Because the other thing is, there's still one spot left on Shayna Baszler's team. 
maybe Dakota Kai will be on Baszler's team. So the teams are, uh, I think I said Bianca Belair was on Ripley's team earlier. That's not correct. It's Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim on Ripley's team. And then Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and uh, someone to be named later. Uh, they announced their teams on WWE The Bump, which is this one of several thousand new YouTube shows WWE has put out. Well, they got all this stuff, like WWE Backstage, The Bump. Um, I, 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 I don't know who's following all of this stuff. Uh, so Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim against Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair. Baszler was asked about possibly Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke on their team. And Baszler said that it pays to have friends on the outside as well. So it's not going to be either one of those two, but those two could be involved in the War Games match as well. Now, another thing happened on NXT concerning the men's War Games match. And I'm almost wondering if we might end up getting, um, like if there en might end up being a change made to this match. So the men's war game is supposed to be the Undisputed Era against Ciampa, Riddle, Lee, and somebody to be named later. But then this week, the OC invaded NXT. And at the end of the show, the, the main event was a no contest. I think it was Ciampa, Riddle, and Lee versus the OC. And Finn Balor came out and Finn Balor did some old Bullet Club taunts along with AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. Well, he basically just kind of did the finger gun pointy thing at AJ Styles, and Styles did the too sweet thing. And this goes back to, they actually teased Balor aligning with the OC this summer um, at SummerSlam, actually. It was on the kickoff show, so hardly anyone saw it, but Basically, the OC was in the back, and they ran into Balor, and they said to Balor, hey, if you run into trouble out there against the Fiend, just throw up the too sweet signal. And then there was this whole scene where it looked like the OC wanted to too sweet with Finn Balor, but Balor wasn't sure, and then the camera sort of cut away before we found out what happened. So that was back in August, and then here... You've got Balor and the OC sort of teasing an alliance. And I've got to wonder if maybe the OC are going to be added to this War Games match. Like, what if they do a triple threat War Games like the first War Games they did on NXT? And so you've got the OC versus the Undisputed Era versus Ciampa, Riddle, Lee, and somebody to be named later. Is that possible? I mean, I, I think a lot of the fans who would love to see, I mean, those are like four key members of Bullet Club. Like at the peak of Bullet Club's popularity, I mean, first it was, I mean, the originals, you know, Prince Devitt with Carl Anderson, Tama Tonga, Bad Luck Fale, Gallows was added not long after that, the Young Bucks not long after that. After Balor left, AJ Styles comes in, wins the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I mean, so the four OC members are arguably the four wrestlers, you know, aside from Tom and Tonga and Bad Luck Folly, maybe the, the four who are most associated with Bullet Club. And having them in war games along with Undisputed Era, 
and then just four stellar baby faces Champa, Lee, Riddle, possibly a returning Johnny Gargano. There's a lot there. But I don't know that the OC is going to be added to the War Games match. That's just speculation. Finn Balor attacks Johnny Gargano. So seems like we could get Gargano versus Balor at TakeOver if Balor's not in uh, the War Games match. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see what happens on NXT. I guess there's only... There's only two episodes now before War Games. So two episodes of NXT before War Games. Okay, but let's finish off this episode. Let's go over the lineups for the upcoming week in the world of pro wrestling. We've got Raw tonight. I mean, it's a taped show from Manchester. So I'll just give you what's advertised for the show. And of course, these are all spoiler free. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors are going to defend their WWE Women's Tag Team Championships on the show. However, their opponents uh, have not been named. Seth Rollins is going to name the Raw Men's Survivor Series team. Lana is expected to make an announcement that I will promptly fast forward through. And Becky Lynch is going to address her match at Survivor Series. And as we mentioned previously... Lynch is involved in the champion versus champion versus champion women's championship match. Oh, I guess it's not actually a title match. Uh, so Bailey versus Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. And it's kind of a bummer they're not doing this for the men's championship this year. Um, it's kind of too bad. But uh, we will get it for the women's championship as well as the tag team championships as well. So that's Raw. Not really feeling a lot of buzz for this show. But also taking place today, New Japan Pro Wrestling will present NJPW Showdown in Los Angeles from the Globe Theater. And that'll have... Uh, I mean, not much really on there. It's all tag team matches. You got LIJ versus Bullet Club, Kota Ibushi versus Ren Narita, TJP and Amazing Red versus Aaron Solo and Alex Zanes, Cole Cabana... Cabana and Toru Yano against Alex Coughlin and Carl Fredericks. Rocky Romero and Tomohiro Ishii versus Evil and Sonata. Sho Yo and Hiroki Goto versus El Fantasmo, Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori. Then tomorrow night, we got Impact Wrestling on Access TV. It'll be the third episode that they've uh, put on Access. And here's what's advertised for that show. Got Tessa Blanchard will be teaming with Brian Cage. Going up against Madman Fulton and Sammy Callahan from OVE. Daga will be going up against Jake Crist. There will be an Impact Tag Team Championship match Tuesday night as Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, the North, defend against Eddie Edwards and Mara Fuji. There will also be a number one contenders match for the X Division Championship tomorrow night. As Trey from the Rascals go up, goes up against Aiden Prince, P.D. Williams, Rohit Raju, Willie Mack, and Brent Banks. And then going to Wednesday night, we've got Dynamite from the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Two matches announced for Dynamite. We'll have the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line as Kazarian and Scorpio Sky SCU Defend against Inner Circle members Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Also booked for Dynamite 
will be a rematch between Hangman Page and Pac. They're one and one against each other in AEW, and they've wrestled outside of AEW as well, but one and one in AEW, and that is why Page requested this uh, rubber match against Pac. And that was revealed in the post-event media scrum from Full Gear. And also on Wednesday night, NXT on USA. It will be the ninth episode of NXT on USA. It'll be from Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida. Two matches scheduled. We'll have Io Shirai versus Mia Yim. And also for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Leo Rush will defend against Angel Garza. And then on SmackDown, uh, SmackDown on Friday, nothing announced for it so far, but it will be from the Wells Fargo Arena in Philadelphia. And that's going to do it for this episode of Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for supporting our website, YouTube channel, and this show. Literally this show that we're doing right now. Thanks again, everybody. I'm the iGuy from Spoiler Free Wrestling.